0: It's Milwaukee's tailgate, the midweek mini pod, episode eight. I'm JP Breen. It's the All Star break, and I wanted to take a little bit of time to create my own All Star team. But the team will consist of only Brewers players from the 21st century. I'm going to field a a complete defensive squad, and positions will matter in this. It's not just going to be the you know 2019 Seattle Mariners where defensive ability doesn't matter. And I'm going to try to fill out an entire starting rotation. I'll even cap it off with a closer. I'm sure y'all will disagree with me in places, and I wasn't uh, even able to get some of my favorites on the squad, to be frank. So you'll have to let me know what you think. But before we get to that, and before we get to the team, remember that you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That does help people find the podcast so please take time uh to do that we do appreciate it and we do want listener questions as well so please follow milwaukee ta- milwaukee's tailgate on twitter at tailgate. you can email questions to milwaukee's.tailgate at gmail.com or you can uh follow our facebook page as well you can follow the three of us on twitter me steve and ryan and you'll find that all in our milwaukee's tailgate twitter bio and finally if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash Tailgate. Our m and and Ball and & Glove patrons receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast, and we will be having that Minor League Extra podcast later this week. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing and their English-style malt bombs and their perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know them for their great beer like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. But stop down to the Carbon 4 tap Room at Kinsman Boulevard in Madison be- because they've got Idiot Farm and America AF on tap. Be sure to tell them that Milwaukee's Tailgate sent you, and as friends of the podcast, you- y'all can get 20% off merch in the Carbon 4 web store with the promo code MKETAILGATE. As always, check out Carbon4.com for more information. Carbon 4, beer brilliance. So a Brewers all-star squad from the 21st, sen- 21st century... And trying to figure out where to start, I kind of went back and pulled up some uh, pulled up some leaderboards here to try to figure out who I would try to populate all of these folks. And what I did want to say is there are multiple ways that you can kind of do this, just like there are multiple different ways that you can do the all-star game in real life. It's not just... You know, pulling up fan graphs or pulling up baseball reference or pulling up baseball prospectus, going to the winds above replacement, hitting sort, and then going through and trying to find out who had the most or who accumulated the most war over the course of their time with the Brewers. Because I still think that different things like uh, a player's peak matters. I think if, you know, you're somebody like Bill Hall, who we'll get to in a little bit here, if Bill Hall, he was phenomenal for a season, he actually has a pretty good case to be able to be the st- the Brewers kind of all-star shortstop if you take into consideration his one brilliant year over J.J. Hardy but you do have to consider the fact that Bill Hall really did just have one good year and he didn't always play shortstop so you have to kind of weigh those sorts of things are you going to say is it the guy who had the best possible season is it the most accumulative wins above replacement over an entire tenure with the Brewers? Is it about peak? Is it something in the middle? Is it something... How do you take narratives into, into place here? How do you factor in things like uh, MVP awards? I will say, outfield is where it's the most difficult to get to get things kicked off. I think it's pretty clear that Ryan Braun has to be the starting left fielder. I don't think there's there's too much that... Anyone can complain with there. Ryan Braun not only has an MVP, he's a career 297, 359, 532 hitter. He's got the most accumulated wins above replacement of any hitter in the 21st century with the Brewers. He's got 334 home runs, 209 stolen bases. He's he's a franchise player. And I know a lot of people, uh, There, well, to be frank, there might be some. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but there are going to be some that would want to disqualify him for... The, the PED scandal. But number one, I think that's a little bit overblown in the first place. I know most people were upset about the fact that he lied and it wasn't really the PEDs. There's so much to be said for whether or not steroids even act, you know, help other than just staying healthy. And we've seen Ryan Braun struggle with injuries since, since that point. So there's a lot that gets baked into it, but I think it's really difficult to create an all-star squad try to talk about who the best players are in the Brewers franchise in the 21st century and not start with Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun's my left fielder. I don't I, I don't have uh, too much time I suppose for counter arguments on that one. I, I'll disagree with folks if they want to take into consideration off the field uh, situations. I think Brian Braun has done a lot of really nice things off the field. If you wanted to take into his, take into consideration his community service work, uh, I know that when Ryan, Steve, and I used to have uh, Disciples of Euchre, we used to have a blog. We were, I I personally was actually sent multiple pictures of Ryan Braun visiting people in children's hospitals, uh, unsolicited families, just kind of wanting to let other people know what Ryan Braun did. We published a a story or two on it, trying to just let some people know what Ryan Braun was doing in the community. And the biggest thing for Braun is he didn't want to publicize it. And I think it's really difficult to, to kind of put that to one side, just because some people were a little bit, you know, offended that he lied to them about taking PEDs and and all of that. Ryan Braun, my left fielder. I think if you go to, to right field, Christian Yelich, I'm gonna put him in in pen. It's not in pencil. He's again, I think MVP. That matters. If you're an MVP in the 21st century in the Milwaukee Brewers, make my squad. I think that's pretty simple. He's he's probably the best hitter. I think it. And this is this is tough, but I do think that he is actually the best hitter that the Brewers have had in the 21st century. I would I would say that he's a more talented hitter than Ryan Braun, and and I don't really say that lightly. Center field is where it actually gets really difficult because there are a few different people that I think you could have a conversation about in center field. Carlos Gomez gets the nod for me. Carlos Gomez put together almost uh, twenty wins wins above replacement over his tenure with the Brewers. He had uh, eighty seven homers, one hundred and fifty two stolen bases. His his WRC, so his his weighted runs created. If that's a metric that that Fangraphs uses to try to kind of determined offensive production as a whole rather than trying to look at individual numbers as 111 so he was 11 percent better than the league average hitter over the course of his career with the milwaukee brewers and and that featured some really really big highs it did feature some lows but overall entire body of work i think carlos gomez brought brought a whole lot of things together that bring him to be the the Best center fielder that the Brewers have had in the 21st century. Uh, even if you do take into consideration the fact that some of the defensive metrics actually don't take or don't actually rate him as highly as uh, he probably should be, the gap actually might be a little bit bigger. I do think that there's actually a really good argument for Mike Cameron. I know a lot of people might have jumped directly to Lorenzo Cain, but Mike Cameron. I think is one of the most underrated brewers of the 21st century. He had, in terms of offensive production, exact same as Carlos Gomez, uh, 111, right? 111 wins uh, are weighted runs created WRC plus, meaning he was 11% better than the league average hitter. And the reason why so many people, I think, underestimate his offensive production is the fact that he had a high strikeout rate and he had a high strikeout rate at a time in which the narrative around strikeouts is not the same as it is now it mike cameron is a player that i think if he played in 2019 he would be so much more valued and he would be so much more respected as a player than when he was playing in the mid-2000s he was a, I, w- I don't think he was like a, tr- a three true outcomes sort of guy because i think he did a little bit more than that he didn't uh, he he wasn't an absolute crater in terms of of uh, batting average i mean he was a 247 hitter uh which isn't isn't phenomenal but i think true outco- three true outcomes if you're looking at guys across baseball in 2019 a 247 average that's not all that bad you're not talking about what Joey Gallo did in 2016 or 2018 for example lorenzo Kane, i i do think that there is room for him at the table in terms of having a discussion uh, I do think that Carlos Gomez and Mike Cameron are better shouts for this team uh, that this hypothetical, you know, all star Brewers of the 21st century. And he ranks third in terms of wins above replacement if you're using what Vangraff's put together. I also do think there's a, at least a shout out to Scott Pitsednik as well. I don't think Scott Pitsednik has any argument to be kind of overtaking what Carlos Gomez did here, but Scott Petsetnik is, I think he was one of the, he was one of like the first players that I really remember gravitating to as a Brewers fan outside of, you know, outside of Robin Young, outside of the kind of the standards that you would, you would think about. But Scott Petsetnik was the player that I remember growing up, just seeing him explode onto the scene, seeing him as a real, you know, a brewer that you wanted to get behind. Um, Patsetnik was that kind of guy for me. But if you get to the infield here, it's pretty straightforward. And that part of this is because the Brewers kind of golden homegrown generation that they were able to build in it was about 2006 to, to 2010, 2011. And it's, it's Prince Prince Fielder, Ricky Weeks at second base, JJ Hardy at shortstop and Aramis Ramirez obviously doesn't fit into the homegrown uh, conversation that, that w- I was just having there, but, Ramos Ramirez at third base, I think is pretty locked on. I In terms of catching, I think Jonathan Lucroy... Jonathan Lucroy, if you actually go by what Fangraphs is putting together second best brewer of the 21st century even even uh more valuable than somebody like prince fielder and that really just goes into defense it goes into pitch framing it goes into a whole lot of things you know that this isn't necessarily built to that this mini pot isn't necessarily built to dive into too much in this sort of uh in this sort of theme but jonathan lucroy 284 hitter you know 342 on base percentage 436 slugging. He was above average hitter, or you know, not just for a, a catcher, but he was better than a league average hitter. And as somebody who was a an above average defensive catcher and was an above average hitter, and the fact that he also came up through, uh, he came up through the the Brewers system as well, that was that was something that the Brewers have been trying to recreate for quite a while now. This is something that you've you've seen. Stearns regularly trade for catchers. You've seen them always take a catcher in the international, uh, the international market, usually from Venezuela, and then they will almost always take one or two catchers in the top ten rounds of the MLB draft. And they did it again this year. They want to be able to create. They want to be able to uh, retain. They want to be able to grow, and they want to be able to acquire young catching talent. Jonathan Lucroy was the epitome of what the Brewers had wanted to do for a long period of time. They're trying to recreate it at this point. They've got some interesting guys down in, the, down in the minors at this point. Mario Feliciano could be somebody that is able to develop, if he continues to develop, his defensive abilities. Maybe he is somebody that can come in, be a homegrown catcher that sticks around for five or six years and is one of the better backstops in the NL. Jonathan Lucroy was that guy for a long time, but what I do want to kind of take a step back here because there are two, I would say two or three people that deserve mention. Because Jeff Jenkins didn't make the squad. Jeff Jenkins, if you go by wins above replacement, fourth best outfielder in the 21st century for the Brewers. The fact is, though, he plays. You either got to put him in left, you got to put him in right, and you've got Yelich and you've got Braun. They've got two MVPs. I. I don't think that you can unseat either of them for somebody like Jeff Jenkins. Maybe you want to say, you know, Yelich goes to center, right? Maybe you've got that argument. Uh, Jeff Jenkins' quality right field defense. I'm sympathetic to that argument, but but Yelich has primarily been a right fielder for the Brewers. He's only he's only moved to center whenever there's been an injury. It's not been something that he's done regularly. So I didn't want to put him out of position. But Jeff Jenkins obviously deserves deserves a shout, not just because of all the, you know, Brett Favre lookalikes and everything like that, but he was genuinely, I think, one of the biggest fan favorites. In the down years, you know, before 2007, 2008, when the Brewers were starting to get good, you know, Jeff Jenkins was the guy that everybody wanted to to kind of hang their hats on. And Richie Sexton was that guy as well. And, and the fact that Prince Fielder is there means that somebody like Richie Sexton isn't going to be able to, to crack into the team. You know, Jeremy Burnitz is somebody that I think a lot of people might have thought about as well. Corey Hart is probably somebody that people thought of. But when you're trying to kind of narrow down who you would put in the outfield, there's just not a lot of room for, for these players. When you go to the infield, it's actually pretty light. I was surprised by it, right? If you go to third base, it's basically a Ramis Ramirez or you know, maybe you want to say Bill Hall, but Bill Hall didn't play a lot of third base. He played a lot of shortstop. His best season with the Brewers was at shortstop. So I wouldn't really want to put him at third base for that. And then after that, you're talking about, I mean, Travis Shaw is probably your next best third baseman outside of Aramis Ramirez, Casey McGee. He deserves a shout in terms of wins above replacement, in terms of his defensive ability. I don't think he really, he's, he's not there. It's a great story. He was one of the, the better clubhouse guys i think of the early part of of the brewer's kind of return to relevance but i don't think i don't think mcgee has a a place on this squad and at catcher it's dark man it's it's martin maldonado maybe you want to go and say somebody like kendall right like jason kendall maybe has a shot here but if you go by winds above replacement i and even if you don't go by wins above replacement, if you go by the eye test, I think Jonathan Lucroy is clearly the guy at, at catcher. But at second base, it's Ricky Weeks and nobody. It's a giant black hole. It's If you go by wins above replacement, if you go onto Fangraphs and you just kind of search for what the Brewers are doing, it is Ricky Weeks and then a huge, huge gulf. And then maybe if you wanted to give Scooter Jeanette The nod is like the second, the the backup guy at second. I mean, Bill Hall's somebody that you could maybe talk about being there. In terms of the infield, it was quite easy to get this done. The starting rotation, on the other hand, it's actually much more difficult because for me, the starting rotation, there are two guys that stick out head and shoulders above everybody else. It's Ben Sheets, it's Giovanni Gallardo. Right? In terms of what the Brewers have done pitching-wise in the 21st century, those are the two homegrown guys that were mainstays in the Brewers' rotation for a long period of time. Ben Sheets was somebody that potentially could have been a superstar if he, if he wasn't already a superstar. It was the injuries that really held him back. But in terms of his ability, the Brewers haven't seen anything like Ben Sheets. Giovanni Gallardo was what everybody, you know, they wanted him to be the second coming of Ben Sheets. It was, it was the fastball. It was the big curveball. He ended up moving to a slider later. His, his velocity kind of stepped back. He ended up becoming more of an innings eater kind of guy as he, as he kind of grew into his Brewer's tenure. But Giovanni Gallardo at the beginning, he was absolutely electric. He was the, the kind of homegrown Brewer's pitching that everybody was starving for. So Ben Sheets, Giovanni Gallardo, they're the the first two out of my starting rotation for the five. But after those two, it becomes really difficult. And I do think that because of that gap, for me, narrative starts to play into this. It, it's about what some of these guys meant to the Brewers organization in the 21st century. And that's why, and I'm sure just with that that introduction, CeCe Zabathia, for me, I'd put him number three, even. Ben Sheets, Giovanni Gallardo, CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia was not just a guy who came in and single handedly, not single handedly, but was the deciding factor in 2008 that brought the Brewers to the, to the postseason. But Sabathia was also somebody that signaled the Brewers' arrival and the arrival on the national stage somebody that was as good as cc sabathia somebody that came to the brewers and was able to step into the national limelight and be able to command all of that attention cc sabathia for me was a, a transition point and i you know i know ryan has talked about the fact that he wishes the Brewers didn't have to trade for C.C. Sabathia. I know a lot of people are talking about the fact that, you know, C.C. Sabathia's acquisition was a real sign that the Brewers couldn't develop their their own internal options for a long period of time, so they had to make kind of a panic trade for a rental. But if you want to get— I sometimes you just got to throw all that stuff away. Sometimes you have to think about what a guy meant to an organization. And if you want to know what the, what it really meant— to have CeCe Sabathia come to Milwaukee, they put billboards up to try to convince him to come back after 2008. People were talking about how CeCe Sabathia was a potential MVP candidate based on a half season in the NL. And I think that, to be fair, there was a pretty decent argument for it. So CeCe Sabathia, for me, number three pitcher for the, for the Brewers in the 21st century. Number four... I think you got to go with a workhorse like Doug Davis. I think Chris Capuano is another lefty that you could potentially give the nod to. Doug Davis was a little bit better over his tenure. He didn't pitch as long or he didn't, you know, he didn't get as many starts as Chris Capuano, but he pitched deeper into games. His, I think, overall production, even if you just look at uh, kind of advanced numbers beyond just the, the ERA improvement over somebody like Chris Capuano, but Doug Davis for, you know, the, better part of kind of the the 2000 the aughts basically he was he was a mainstay he was the dude that was going to go out every fifth day and and he wasn't going to be spectacular but he was solid and in the years in which the brewers kind of were throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks and i think that maybe the 2019 season you can appreciate what doug davis brought to the to an organ to the organization or brought to the the Brewers different starting rotations over his course of uh, his time with the Brewers is he brought consistency. He brought, he was a a steady rock, something the Brewers would desperately love to have in 2019 is somebody like Doug Davis, somebody who's not flashy. He's the, he's the, the middle rotation innings eater that you can trust to be there every single fifth day. He's what the Brewers desperately need Yuli Shasin to be in the second half fifth guy yeah, I think you could maybe have a conversation about Chris Capuano if you want to go by a wins above replacement. Jimmy Nelson's probably up there. Dave Bush maybe has a has a has a crack at it. It's got to be Zach Granke though, right? Zach Granke is Zach Greinke outside of CC Sabathia and and Ben Sheets. Uh is the probably the third best pitcher talent wise that the Brewers have seen in the 21st century. You could even make an argument that he's a little bit better than what Ben Sheets was able to do. I think CC Sabathia, far and away the best pitcher that the Brewers have had in the 21st century in terms of just raw skill and what he was able to do. Zach Granke, though, when the Brewers traded for him, he was again an absolute stud to be able to headline a rotation. And he was able to do it at a moment where the Brewers again went to the postseason. And even that second time that they went to the postseason in 2011, that was a big deal. The Brewers again were still trying to be somebody that that was more relevant on the national stage than just kind of a one-off wild card run that was bolstered by a superhuman effort by a midseason rental. Basically, Zach Greinke not only brought supreme talent to the rotation, he brought a, a stopper that you could send out every fifth day. He brought an attitude to the rotation. And Zach Greinke is still the, my favorite player that that I have ever seen play with with the Brewers. Zach Greinke is, for me, clearly a guy that should be in any kind of all all star team for the 21st century. If you're talking about the Brewers, let's finish it up with a closer. I think Josh Hader is is the guy. Josh Hader is putting up ridiculous numbers that we haven't seen. He's been utterly dominant. He's striking out. You know, at one point last year, he was striking out almost 50% of the guys that he was facing. And yes, I know that he has some, some home run issues at times, and he maybe could throw his slider a little bit more. And you can nitpick everybody, but Josh Hader is an absolute lockdown force. He's a guy that epitomizes what so many teams are trying to do in the bullpen. They're trying to get your bullpen ace that can go multiple innings and just define what a bullpen is. When people talk about the Brewers' bullpen, they say it's Josh Hader and others, right? They want to have somebody like that. I think Jeremy Jeffress deserves kind of a shout-out. Corey Canable probably deserves a shout-out if you're looking at wins above replacement. But a guy that actually I didn't really... To, to be frank, I didn't remember until I was just looking at some names prior to doing this here is Francisco Cordero deserves a shout Francisco Cordero was was so good. He had sixty saves with the Brewers. He only threw ninety innings, which is why I think, you know, he's not higher up on these things, but he had a two six ERA with his time with the Brewers. Two 2-6 six ERA, two sixty-seven fit, and struck out almost twelve per nine innings. He was he was dominant. And and the trade it wasn't the trade that, you know, the we look back Carlos Lee went to Texas, you know, Francisco Cordero came and and there's a whole thing with Nelson Cruz that people would want to talk about. And Kevin Mench comes in and, hit, and that's kind of a running joke with with Ryan, Steve and I. But Francisco Cordero was an absolute workhorse at the back end of the bullpen. So I think he deserves uh, a shout as well. And if you're going to say for manager Craig Council for me, best manager the Brewers have had in 21st century period End a discussion that's going to do it for this week. That is my all-star team from the Brewers organization, the 21st century. Hopefully you all enjoyed your all-star break. And hopefully y'all will kind of tweet me or send me an email or, you know, direct message me. Sometimes get direct messages off of these sorts of, of MIDI pods. People saying that they agree or they disagree or trying to, to ask questions. And so feel free to, to direct message me. They're, my DMs are open. So let me know what you think. I know a lot of you are going to want to get Jeff Jenkins into the squad. I, I completely respect it. But, um, you know, it is what it is, right? Sometimes you... Too many MVPs. What are you going to do? Brewers shouldn't acquire so many MVPs, I guess, if you want Jeff Jenkins to get into the squad. But you can join our Patreon... Uh, by visiting patreon.com slash mke tailgate. Patrons at the M and B and Ball and Glove levels receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast that's going to be coming out later this week. And you can follow us at MKE Tailgate. Please submit questions to Milwaukee's.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Pocketcast, all of those places. You can leave reviews. Help people find the podcast that I was talking about earlier. So, thanks for listening. I'll we'll be back on Monday with Ryan and Steve. I think we're all going to be able to finally be on a podcast together, which is going to be fantastic. And then we're also going to be trying to put together a little bit of a giveaway for all of our listeners. So, be sure to stay tuned for that. And we'll talk to you on Monday on Milwaukee's Tailgate. It's hard to